priming tactics and other signs of malignant narcissism. What is priming? Techniques are used to invoke responses or stimuli by introducing familiar memories, representations, and associations prior to introducing another activity or activities. Repetitiously applying tasks that become familiar or a new memory is also how neuro-linguistic programming works. Outcomes of a supportive environment on individuals. First, one's identity is affirmed by others or circumstances when surrounded by a conductive environment. Next, intelligence, happiness, health, and kindness within the society. Next, with a positive, with the positive effects of identity affirmation, the culture becomes one with more positive contributions from individuals. Next, creates a supportive culture and society. So this is the cycle of a supportive environment on individuals, which is often something you don't see in a cult or in a group, whereas a dark personality, such as a narcissistic personality is running it. How neuro-linguistic programming works. No neuro, you have internal images, sounds and feelings. The linguistic, there's the conscious mind, description, the programming, the behavioral response, neurological filtering processes. Grooming is similar due to the act of teaching in a one-on-one -on -one method to gain trust of a minor with the intention of having a coarse relation with him or her. However, grooming a person is often for the advancement of a group. Very often you may find cult leaders who will prime or groom the entire group in order to control him or her. So they may groom somebody or prime them one-on-one, -on -one, but when they do that, it is often for the advancement of the group or the cult. Changing someone's behavior is often a method found in cults, perhaps with the objective to control the entire group of members. Unfortunately, cults often give false advertisements of being able to provide proper counsel, coaching, and effective support for those who might seek it or find it necessary. Very often, cults will give out false advertisements in order to lure people in, having them believe that they're going to be supported once they become a part of the cult or the group. Those who have a dark personality, such as a narcissist, very often they will recruit others to do their dirty work or to help lure other people into a situation or a group with him or her, whereas they will not be supported. They will not get what they're seeking. They will not be getting what they're bargaining for. It's very deceptive. Okay. Cult leaders who have a dark personality often lack fortitude, yet alone foresight, to properly lead others to effectively thrive past dysfunctional relationships. Narcissistic personality tends to lack empathy, which is a necessary character trait to have in order to gain trust of clients who need the proper counsel and care. Narcissistic personality, according to the DSM-5, often lack empathy. That's one of the traits. Okay, they often lack is empathy. 
counselors often have to have empathy in order to successfully be able to counsel their clients. Narcissist personalities, they often don't care about the connection. It's about control. Very often in cults or other groups that narcissists may lead, right? They often have an environment that is quite hostile, very, un you know, the trust is being, um, actually trust is being violated at every turn. Cult leaders have primed and groomed their cult members with a cocktail of neuro-linguistic programming, rage tactics, and seduction with the objective to perhaps convert members into adopting the cult leader's false narratives, which often does not reflect reality due to a lack of merit. For instance, telekinesis. Telekinesis is when the narcissist is attempting to alter a person's sense of time or their sense of reality. The key word is sense, sense of time, sense of reality, right? Narcissists will often pull the telekinesis by using this, they are priming, they are grooming others in order to control them. So when a narcissist tries to pull a telekinesis, they are actually trying to get someone to question their sense of time and reality. This is how the narcissist remains in control. So when we think of a cult leader, we see how they do this. It's very sleight of hand. Gaslight techniques is another tactic that we often see in cults or when the narcissist is trying to run a group or leading a group. They use the gaslight techniques in order to play mind games with others. This is also where the neuro-linguistic programming will come in. Okay, narcissists are often knocking people off balance by having them question their sense of time, their sense of reality. They may have an identity crisis. They may question who they are in that group. They may question who the narcissist is or who the group, the other group members are. No one seems to really be real. There's nothing really concrete about the group. So there may be a lot of questions. Mixed messages are part of the gaslighting technique results. Mixed signals, mixed, just things are not quite what they seem. And all of this is how the narcissist primes others in order to control them within a group sitting, within a group or a cult. Okay, word salad, speaking in code and curse language. Narcissists will often apply curse language when they're speaking to the group or even one-on-one -on -one in order to control someone else. The curse language is not necessarily profanity. They may use certain words and they may re repetitiously or repeat those words. They may use a particular tone of voice when they do so. Okay, almost like they're trying to hypnotize the cult or the group or the person that they're speaking to one-on-one -on -one in order to lure them into a cult or lure them into a group. Speaking in code, a lot of dark personality types such as narcissistic personality who may be leading cults or other groups, they will often groom others to speak in code while themselves will speak in code. Okay, it's a word salad. They're using certain words repetitiously. It's like in a wash rinse and repeat fashion okay so word salad is very huge with narcissists 
another thing, the, the male, the male and female relations. Okay. The energy there is sacred energy exchange. Very often this sacred energy exchange is misused to, in order to prime others, to control them. See your sacred energy is often very creative. It's a reflection of your essence is a reflection of your soul. It's a connection to your soul and the cosmos. So when there's fee, female and male relations, right? The narcissist will often prime others, groom them, right? In order to manipulate them. And they will use the sacred energy exchange to do so sometimes. Dark personality types such as narcissistic personality prime and groom others for sport fuel control and as a necessary method of surviving while attempting to elevate their false self images ranging from saint martyr and victim it is very important for instance that a cult leader has a particular image for their members they must display this at all times for instance a cult leader may convince their members that he or she is a saint a martyr or a victim if you all can think of some cult leaders right now, this is one of the things that more than likely you have discovered. And that is they often repeatedly give out the false narrative that they are either a saint, martyr, or victim, especially whereas their members are concerned. Their members take this hook, line, and sinker, and unfortunately, they believe it. Because then sometimes when someone on the outside questions their so-called cult leader, right? Who's supposed to be a saint, a martyr, or a victim. Then you see how some of those cult members or members of a group will rush to the aid of their leader. Unfortunately, their leader has a dark personality. Okay. So they will often wear the mask of a saint or a martyr or a victim. And they interchange this very rapidly. They interchange this a lot. So therefore, when the narcissist pulls a telekinesis, they're actually attempting to alter their group members' sense of time and reality. Who is their leader? Who is that person exactly? Very often, the members of that group don't know, but they have bought into or they have actually taken this hook, line, and sinker, this facade, the false narrative, the script is never to be rewritten or flipped unless the cult leader or the dark personality type conveniences. Okay. They have to be convenienced by that flipping or that rewriting of a false narrative or a script. All right. I just really wanted to break that down because a lot of people may be confused as to why when they're, when they see a cult leader with their members, how the members just rush to his or her aid. They, they, they are very loyal to him or her. Okay. It's almost uh, eerie how loyal they are to them because they tend to have a hive or a herd or a cave mentality. The entire group tends to display this because they operate like they're one person. They operate like they're of one mind. And this is how narcissists who run a cult or who run a group like it. Once they buy into their perspective of their reality, the narcissist stays in control of that group. 
Signs of priming behavior patterns to watch out for, paranoia, predatory aims, consistently testing loyalty, making false accusations, fixation or obsession, sexualizing non-sexual issues, false narratives, and having a strong sense of entire entitlement. So these priming behavior patterns here are something that we often see in cults, as well as groups that are being led by one with a dark personality, such as a narcissist. Characteristics of cults, unclear expectations. Bottom line is never clear. Desires, needs, expectations, and well-being of the cult leader is priority. Okay, so those desires, okay, of a cult leader, their needs, their expectations, their well-being must take precedence over everyone else's. Thought reform programs, such as deception, hidden agendas, right? Destabilization, controlled environment and thinking time. Controlled environment and thinking time. Dependency and dread, creating a sense of fear, powerlessness, and anxiety. Another thought reform program is disconnection, suppressing old attitudes and behavior patterns. Development of pseudo personality of the cult acting out new behaviors and attitudes. Another thought reform program is denial and dedication, restricting criticism while maintaining a limited system of logic. Very often cult leaders will convince their members that they are some sort of fantastic religious uh, figure, okay, or a great religious figure or some other world leader that has so-called changed the world. You ever noticed that? I have, you know, I've done some study or some research on cult leaders, and I have found this to be a repeating theme. They often will refer to themselves not only in third person from time to time, but they will refer to themselves as some great religious figure or prominent world leader. They buy into the narcissist's perspective of reality, regardless of what their reality is, then the narcissist stays in control. Cult inducement techniques, voice tones and voice control, praise and punishment, all or nothing mentality and language, us against them, interrupted sleep patterns, certain repeated words and phrases, mixed messages to invoke fear, uncertainty, and hopelessness. All right, parents who have a narcissist personality disorder or some with a cluster B personality type are consistently seeking source supply, which does not exclude his or her own children and other family members. Just like a cult leader, there are some narcissistic parents and or grandparents who will run their family like a cult. Okay, so I did a video back in 2017 breaking down orchestrating phantoms, not calling anyone a phantom, but like a cult, those who have a narcissistic family or who have a dysfunctional family with a narcissist or a narcissistic parent who heads it, right? Or who's running it, it is often, you see some similar traits, okay? There are some narcissistic parents and our grandparents who often have a strong sense of entitlement 
of what family is, what sacrifice is, what relationships are, and how people in their family or their group ought to conduct themselves. Just like a cult leader, they often will orchestrate phantoms. Again, not calling anyone phantoms. However, there's a group of people in the same setting who are not connecting to one another in an intimate fashion. It's very superficial. It's very surface level, just like a cult. There's a group of people together, yet they're not together. They have a hive mentality, a herd mentality, and a cave mentality. Okay, so just very similar. There's very there's similar characteristics of that of a of a dysfunctional family ran by a narcissist parent or grandparents, and that of a cult leader. Not saying that every narcissistic parent is a cult leader. I want to really make that clear. I'm pointing out how there are similarities between a cult and those who have a dysfunctional family being ran by or headed by parents or, or grandparents who have a dark personality such as a narcissistic personality. Okay, let's go a little bit deeper with this. Grooming children who are often seen by the narcissistic parent as a safe victim becomes very tempting and easy to do. There are many parents with cluster B personality types who see his or her children as property to be used as a lifelong source supply. There are some parents who have a dark personality that have a strong sense of entitlement, which plays a huge part in him or her proceeding to use their family as a source supply in order to maintain false self images. Sometimes family members will go out into a community and other people out in the community, they don't know how they really treat their family. And this is all a strategy. The narcissistic personality often like to conceal their real identity or how they really are to the outside world. See, it's not about how they feel, it's about the image. So when it comes down to having a household of people that they are controlling, right? The narcissistic parent or grandparents like to control what's going on, okay? How everyone's doing in that family, how they're performing. The family is often unfortunately used as source supply to maintain false self images from that of a saint to a martyr to a victim who cannot seem to catch a break. So very often, this is why we have people who have testified that they have narcissistic parents who go out into the, the world and they are, um, they're like a, they're like a very good person, right? They're part of the echelon of society. They are a doctor, they're a lawyer, uh, you know, something like that. But yet behind closed doors, they're using their family as a source supply to maintain false self images. With narcissistic parents, it's about the control, not the connection. It's about the image, not the feeling. Just like cults. Okay, you see this similar similarity here. It's about how things look, not how they really are. Okay, signs of male malignant narcissists. Sadists, lack of empathy, grandiosity, strong sense of entitlement, projection, egotistical, paranoid, psychopath, and sociopath. Okay, this is something that we also see in uh, cult leaders.
A psychopath is one with antisocial behavior and who lacks a consciousness, while the sociopath has a sense of right and wrong, but tends to do and or say things to hurt others, regardless of feelings of guilt and or remorse. Correction, there are some cult leaders who show signs of a male malignant narcissist. All right, now, feelings of guilt and or remorse. Now, there's a difference between regret and remorse. I won't get into that. Narcissists are sometimes experiencing what's known as a guilty complex rather than a guilty conscience. Because according to the DSM-5, narcissistic personality often lack empathy. Therefore, they lack consciousness as well. So narcissists who have a guilty complex, they have a sense of right and wrong, but they do as they please anyway, because they are priming others in order to control them. They're grooming others in order to control them or manipulate the situation. So they tend to not feel a guilty or experience a guilty conscious. They have to have a conscious first. Very often narcissists are found by others who are involved with them that they don't have a conscious. They have a sense of right and wrong, yet they do what pleases them anyway. And very often it hurts others. So they, they tend to have a guilty complex, not a guilty conscious. This is also what's found in some cult leaders. Signs of antisocial behavior and psychopathic tendencies can show up during adolescence, while narcissistic personality traits are usually detected in early adulthood. Another thing that some cult leaders tend to have or it is discovered about them. Malignant male narcissists may choose to watch pornography, have a fixation with studying the mating practices of insects and animals while, while pressuring his partners for male-female relations only to avoid their advances of affection and intimacy. So narcissists, sometimes they play this cat and mouse game when it comes down to male-female relations, okay? Once you answer the mating call, they may then turn cold. And all of this is priming you to be controlled. All of this is grooming you to do their bidding, their will. In other words, it's about the control, not the connection to a narcissist. Most malignant narcissists like the idea of perverting what others find to be sacred. Due to possible addiction to drugs and or alcohol, some malignant male narcissists may suffer female, may suffer relations dysfunction. I'll put it like that, okay? All right, due to possible addiction to drugs and or alcohol or anything else, right? There are some malignant male narcissists who may suffer or experience a relations dysfunction okay so it's not really working i'll put it like that okay there are some male malignant narcissists who might prefer opting out of intimate romantic relationships by using pornography instead okay so in order to escape an overwhelming feeling of shame inadequacy dark secrets contempt for others and low self-esteem is why they may use pornography and they may avoid romantic relationships altogether. Narcissists often will conceal one thing with another. We see this in cult leaders as well, some of them anyway. When it comes down to their uh, members, sometimes you will see them having male-female relations with many of them, 
All of this, again, is a grooming tactics. It is a priming tactic in order to control the entire group. Sometimes these cult leaders, they have inadequacy. They have dark secrets. They have low self-esteem. They have contempt for others. They have feelings of shame that they seem to be consistently fighting off or projecting onto others. So they may avoid intimate relationships altogether. They may use pornography quite a bit in order to maintain control or to hide what they're really feeling inside or what's going on with them on the inside. Okay, children who are selected to be scapegoat within his or her dysfunctional family often are unaware that they are amongst phantoms, figuratively speaking. Many of his or her family members within the dysfunctional family have been encouraged, emotionally bullied, and manipulated to become an enabler, to be recruited as a flying monkey, or to suffer mistreatment themselves if they did not view and treat the scapegoated child as an outsider, as instructed by the narcissistic family member. We see this same thing usually go on in cult or cults. Cult leaders often use this same priming tactic right here. The same thing that we see here in a dysfunctional family headed by a narcissistic parent is what you may see in a cult or the cult leader. Okay. A child who is tagged to be scapegoat. The rest of the family is coached or groomed, by the way. That's a better word, groomed. They're groomed. They're primed by the family member who has a narcissistic personality or narcissistic traits to bully that one family member who has been tagged by uh, him or her as scapegoat. Just like a cult, right? The one who's getting out of line is going to be punished. They're going to be alienated. A child who has been deemed as scapegoat is also alienated by his or her family members. Why? Because the other family members have been primed, perhaps, to behave in such a way to make sure that the narcissistic family member who's heading the household is pleased. Now, the narcissistic family member who's heading the household is not necessarily a man. Sometimes it's a woman. This is why I stated that narcissistic personality types who may be, uh, yes, male or female, but, but perhaps they are parents and or grandparents. Whomever are, whoever is heading the, house, the household, they may have a narcissistic personality type and they will coach the other family members to gang up on one family member in particular who has been deemed as scapegoat. We see the same thing in cults play out. So this is another way of saying how orchestrating phantoms is being conducted by those who have a dark personality, such as a narcissist in a group setting. Character assassination, gossiping, gaslighting, and other priming tactics by the narcissist in the dysfunctional family is ritualistically practiced, exercised, and encouraged in order to systematically outcast the scapegoated child without physically removing him or her from their family. This is the same thing that goes on in a cult setting or in a, in a cult. Same thing. When somebody gets out of line, right? The, the cult leader will appoint other cult members to gang up on him or her 
And what's going on is that that one member who is getting out of line, they're being systematically outcasted from the rest of the group, not physically, though. And this right here is a priming tactic that can leave people wounded emotionally, spiritually, because something is being done that is not physical. Yet the wounds that it leaves okay may feel like it's physical in other words they may have health issues later on down the line because they they experienced such a thing the narcissistic um relationship often leaves people uh their health is compromised as the orchestrating of phantoms by the narcissistic family member continues the scapegoated child or family member comes to realize that intimacy connection effective communication conflict resolution respect validation and peace is impossible to form with those family members who have chosen to continue to emotionally invest in their dysfunctional family by blind loyalty to the narcissist we see the same thing play out in cults. People having blind loyalty and faith in the narcissist, okay, the narcissistic cult member, pardon me, the narcissistic cult leader in the, in the family member or the cult member who's seemingly getting out of line, okay? Because in their eyes, they may look at that one member as doing something bad. You know, they're trying to get out of the group or they're trying to get away or they're speaking up right? They're, they're going to be so-called punished. The silent treatment is the ultimate covert narcissism. And we also see this playing out in cults as well. The silent treatment, once a member gets out of line, other tactics, unfortunately, to punish him or her are often uh, delivered by the cult members as well as the cult leader. Same thing we see in a family, okay, headed by a narcissist. The scapegoated family member realizes that these particular family members do not value a healthy relationship with him or her, and that attempting to connect with phantoms is a vicious cycle, ensuring that all family members with a dark personality type will continue to be provided source supply. Okay, so it's a vicious cycle. It's almost like an open secret that nobody wants to talk about. All right, tool number one. Invest in you for a change. Interrupting behavior patterns will not be easy in order to reclaim your life and thrive forward. You are not your experiences. However, in order to honor yourself and the fact you've possibly been traumatized by those painful experiences, you help yourself. Okay, you can help yourself with your own healing process by learning to love yourself again. Okay, so this is not easy. For instance, when people get out of a cult, why do you think they have to see experts and those who specialize in deprogramming him or her? Because they have, they have undergone such a traumatic experience being a part of a cult. So invest in you for a change. Okay. It's not going to be easy, but it's doable. Express what you've experienced. See being in a cult or being in a narcissist relationship, it often is not emotionally uh, safe. Okay, so when once you get out of such a hostile environment, then you go into a support group or someplace where you are emotionally safe, it can almost feel like a culture shock because you have to adapt and adjust 
to these two dynamics here or two situations. So interrupting behavior patterns will not be easy, but doable in order to reclaim your life. And I wish everyone the best on that one. Okay. All right. Tool number two, there are no quick fixes to the healing process of trauma recovery. Try to be patient with yourself while building a strong support base designed to teach you effective tools to cope with the aftermath of narcissist cycles, unhealthy relationships, and adverse childhood experiences. A support base or group may also help one to become comfortable investing in a healthy relationship with others once again. Okay, so it's doable. Next tool, remember that regardless of your experiences in life, your life and transformation has purpose. There are certain things that we all go, there are certain things that we all let go of in order to begin new things, which may provide or prove to be healing while continuing to thrive forward past narcissist relationships. Okay, so yeah, it's gonna take some time, practice, patience, adjustments. It's going to take focus in order to thrive forward past narcissist relationships. Even those who are getting out of a cult or trying to get out, the same applies. Critical questions, critical question number one, what is the purpose of your current relationship with your dysfunctional family? This also applies or is applicable to those who are in cults or attempting to get out of a cult. What is the purpose of your current relationship with the dysfunctional family or uh, the group that's headed by a narcissist? This is a question that I answered years ago. Okay, what is the purpose of that relationship with the narcissist? What is the purpose of the relationship with a cluster B personality type? What is the relation? What is the purpose of a narcissist relationship? Once I answered that, guys, I was able to graduate. I was able to thrive on. It is so, this is such a profound question, I think. What is the purpose of that relationship? It's not necessarily pointing out why you're having the relationship, but what is the purpose of the relationship? For instance, are you having a relationship with a narcissist in order to have a baby, in order to have a, an extended family, in order to uh, gain more money? What, what is the purpose of the relationship? What is the purpose of investing in the relationship? Same applies or is applicable when it, pertains to a cult or any group setting? What is the purpose of your being a part of it? Critical question number two, how have you experienced your dysfunctional family? Do you honor that? If so, how so? If not, why not? When it comes down to experiencing a group, whether it's a cult or it can even be a, a positive group, it can be a family, right? Do you honor the experiences that you've had it's not, it's not to honor anyone else in that group necessarily. It's not to honor the narcissist. No, do you honor yourself? You had those experiences, which could be quite different and more than likely quite different from everyone else in that same group. Do you honor that? If so, how so? Sometimes it's the way we do things, not what we do, right? It's not why we do it. Sometimes it's how we do it. In other words, so... If you do not honor yourself, if you do not honor your experiences in that group, whether it's a cult or any other group like a family, why don't you, right? Third critical question, do you remain stuck in your ego and or emotions whereas your dysfunctional family is concerned? If so, what are your stuck points? If not, what confirms this reality for you? The reality of having 
the experience of a narcissist relationship? Are you stuck in that? Are you still having those relationships because of ego? In other words, you're in those relationships because you want the narcissist to treat you right or you want to be treated better. So you're hanging in there. That's ego. Do you remain stuck in that relationship because of ego and or emotions? Okay, are you stuck in your emotions? Emotions are our energy and motion, right? So are you stuck? Okay, are you stuck in your feelings? In other words, when it pertains to that group, it can be a cult, it can be a family, it can be any other group setting that you're a part of. Are you stuck in your ego or are you stuck in your feelings? Are you hanging in there because either your ego says you should or your emotions or you, you're in your feelings about it? Okay, so if so, what are your stuck points? What's keeping you there exactly? Don't make it about anybody else. What's keeping you there? What is it exactly? Maybe you don't, you didn't get enough love growing up. So that group is promising to love you. Maybe that's why you're there, stuck in your feelings. Maybe you didn't get treated right by somebody. So you're in that group because somebody promised you this or that. Okay, so it's your ego. You want to stay in that group because you're going to get what you want. No matter what, that's your ego. You're going to be validated. You're going to be respected. You're going to do what you have to do in order to gain the validation from that group, even though they're breadcrumbing you, for instance. So you're stuck in your ego. You're stuck in your feelings about that group. What are your stuck points? What exactly is keeping you there? Not necessarily who's keeping you there. If not, what confirms this reality for you? So if you're not stuck on the group, via ego or feelings or emotions, what confirms that reality? What's going on in your life right now that confirms that? For instance, you're no longer in the group. Boom, that will confirm that you're not stuck because you're not in the group. You're choosing to thrive forward past narcissist relationships, okay? So what confirms this reality for you, not for anyone else? And this is also gonna help you become more grounded not saying that you're flighty. <laughs> no, this is what's going to keep you focused and grounded in your own life rather than the perspective of the narcissist reality, what they want you to believe, what, who they see you as in a narcissist relationship or in a cult or in a group. See, very often narcissists will prime people or groom people into looking at themselves through the eyes of a narcissist. Cult leaders do the same. They want you to see yourself through their eyes, not your own. So that's what that third critical question is also pointing out. Once we learn valuable lessons, guys, we get to graduate. In other words, we do not tend to reinvest in one harsh relationship for another. Same applies when it comes to a narcissist. Once we find out who and what we're dealing with when it pertains to a narcissist, we can graduate. We're not reinvesting in other narcissist relationships. All right, guys, until next time, take care of yourself and each other.